We're in the home stretch of this series that we've been in for quite a while now called Dumb Things Smart Christians Do. Dumb Things Smart Christians Do. Today I'm bringing the second to last message in this series. But man, to bring it home, next Sunday, Pastor Joel Adiola uh, is going to be with us. He's gonna, he is, uh, most of you would know, he is our missionary from our church to southern Mexico, along with uh, Pastor Veronica and their kids. Man, they serve uh, just so, just with such excellence, uh, right in uh, Playa del Carmen in southern Mexico. He's going to be with us next Sunday. And he has got a word for you about a dumb thing that smart Christians do. I don't want you to miss the, the end of that, uh, our series that we've been in. But today, we're focusing on the idea of the dumb thing that smart Christians do is getting stuck in our past. Getting stuck in our past. But first, I want to ask you, do you know what scripture is so important to four-score churches around the world that the expectation is that every four-score church around the world would have a particular scripture um, up somewhere in their sanctuary. And you're all looking around like, do we have? Yes, we do. We have it here in our sanctuary. It happens to be in our baptistry right under the screen right there. But the, the scripture that is so central to our belief is, come on, Hebrews 13.8. Would you go ahead and put that up? Hebrews 13.8. And everybody, would you just read this together? Is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One more time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is so important to our whole belief structure as followers of Jesus, because we believe and proclaim that Jesus is the unchanging one. He never changes. Like from day to day, season to season, decade to decade, century to century, the same Jesus who walked on earth and loved people and touched the lepers and brought healing, raised the dead, and himself was raised from the dead. He is the same Jesus. And because of that, we can have such a confident faith because our faith is not built on our faithfulness. Our faith is built on his faithfulness. And because he is unchanging, we can have this rock, solid, confident faith in him. Because he is, uh, in, throughout all time, throughout all time, unchanging, unwavering. Man, people flip-flop, people waffle, people are going back and forth on, idea, on different ideas. But man, we can have this confidence that what Jesus said before is still true today. And it's going to be true tomorrow and into the future as well. Why is Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? It's because he's perfect. Because he's absolutely perfect. And guess what? You do not change perfection. 
when, there, when you have perfection, you don't need to change. It never needs to change. Because, man, that same perfection, like I said, that was here on earth in human form, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, is still the same today, still perfect today. But you and I, you and I are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why is that? Because we are not perfect, right? We're imperfect. We, we do change a lot. And actually, and in today's message, I want to remind you that that's actually a good thing. Because if you and I did not change, guess what? Man, we would have stopped growing a long time ago. Like there would be no new capacity for growth. There would be no room to enlarge our understanding or our wisdom or our knowledge. There would be no like increased capacity like for us to, to learn and to grow and to do more and more, even in the likeness of Jesus. We'd be stuck, right? We would be absolutely stuck. Jesus never changes because he's perfect. But if you and I never change, it is because we are stuck. Lives that can be held captive, lives that can be held hostage by our histories, by our histories. Have you ever been stuck by something in your past? Areas in your life where it just doesn't seem you can move beyond that thing, that season, that moment. Maybe it was something that happened maybe in your childhood. Many people reference back to that time in their childhood where something happened that so dramatically impacted them that they've just not been able to move past that moment. Maybe it was something in a relationship, maybe in a marriage, that you cannot move beyond what happened in that season. Maybe it was something that happened at work. Maybe it was something that happens in the world, like a global pandemic. And at some moment in the past year and a half, your heart became so heavy that it's like, I don't know if I will ever be able to move beyond this moment in time. So many things happen in life where we can get stuck. We can just absolutely get stuck. But listen, Jesus paid the price for our freedom. Jesus paid the price that we do not have to live stuck in some part of our history, some moment in time that like tethered us to there and we're now being held hostage. Jesus came to free us, to fully free us to really free us that we would be able to move forward empowered by him and him alone. So it's dumb, folks. We can just admit it. It's dumb to stay stuck because he paid the price that we would live free. Now, most of us, when we think about being stuck, think about like negative things that have happened. You know, those pain moments that 
visited somewhere, you know, in our in our lives, in our histories. And we think about those probably, you know, most readily, like, oh man, when we, get, we think about being stuck, we think about those negative, painful moments. But I want to tell you something. We're going we're gonna to talk about that in a few minutes. But the fact is, is that not only can we get stuck in the negative things, we can also get stuck because of something that maybe really positive happened and we lost that. And then all of a sudden we can no longer like return to that moment and we're stuck there. We're stuck. Maybe you were like on the winning team, right? In your football season in high school, right? And it's like, oh man, if I could just return to that. You know, or maybe it was, maybe it was a relationship that you had that somehow died. Something happened that transitioned that relationship and you're no longer able to return to that. Maybe it was a job that you once had that was like, man, it was just such a perfect fit, but then like that company folded or, you know, I moved on and I shouldn't have or whatever. And, and it's that regret, that sense of loss of like, man, if I could just return there. You know, we could call this being stuck in our glory days. You know, glory days, right? Days gone by where everything just seemed to be perfect in that moment, but we're stuck there. And we can waste so much time and so much energy wishing and thinking and imagining it, what it would have been like if I could have just stayed there. And man, if I could just, is there some way that I could return to that? And we can get so stuck in that positive memory, the good thing that happened that has now been lost, that what ends up happening is that we can miss what God has for us right now, in this moment. And in the days ahead, we can just get stuck right there. And let me tell you, I just want to be real here. This can also happen in our relationship with Jesus. Have you ever met somebody like, man, they, they still come to church. But when you hear them in conversation, you know what they're talking about? Is the way it used to be. Oh, the way it used to be. Man, when we sang those songs, those songs from the past, man, that touched my heart in ways that these new songs just never will. Or man, that pastor that I had, oh man, those messages, they just riveted my soul. I was so impacted by that. Or man, I was involved in this ministry and oh my goodness, the fruit that we saw. I've never seen such powerful ministry taking place as it was back then. Man, I even liked the carpet of the church. Where is that old green carpet? I miss that so much. And, and like we can get stuck Listen, even in our spiritual walk, and listen, I believe this is very natural. It's very natural. Because there are moments in our history where God showed up in powerful ways. Like did things in our life that, that in those moments, I mean, they revolutionized our soul. 
like when it was those eureka moments where it's like, oh, that's who God truly is. That's who he is. And that's how he made me. And we start to walk in this new freedom and our expectations about life are just changed. And it's like, man, we, in some ways, very natural to like, those were such pivotal, revolutionary moments that it's hard to move beyond. And we forget that the unchanging one is always doing new things. Oh, and we can get stuck in the past and miss the opportunity to sing a new song, right? To hear God's same unchanging word, but to hear it in fresh ways for today, that there would be like new manna every day, right? And man, if we're not careful, we'll also get stuck that even our ministry lives are hampered because we just, we, we long for what was and we, we forget to know that, that who I am today in the uniqueness and the perspective and the wisdom and the giftings that I have today are needed by those around me that God is placing into my life. And, but we can just get stuck. So we don't sing the new songs. And we sit in criticism of the word we hear. I'm not speaking of anybody here. They all moved on evidently, right? But you know, but it's, it's possible for all of us. And then when we hear about opportunities to serve, right? Even like Noche de Familia or Noche en Familia, things like that. It's kind of like, ah, you know, I did those sort of things before. I, I don't think I'm going to do it this time. We'll just find excuses and we just won't engage at the same level we used to. Man, there is a, an amazing example of this in Scripture. You may remember those of uh, you that were with us at the beginning part of the year, we, we did a series that we were walking through the book of Nehemiah together. And it's a, a part of the history of, of Israel that, man, there was so much brokenness because the enemy had come in and had wiped out the city of Jerusalem. And so we talked about, right, like building strong lives and building our homes. And now there's a, there's a parallel a book of the Bible to Nehemiah, and it's the book of Ezra. And in the book of Ezra, we read about them rebuilding the temple. And I want to draw your attention um, to, uh, to Ezra chapter 3, because it gives us a good example of getting stuck, even as they were rebuilding the temple after many decades of it being in disrepair. In verse 10 of Ezra chapter 3, begins by saying, when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple. The priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. I love that we still have the lyrics of these ancient songs of praise and declaration of the Lord because it says that they sang. Listen, I mean, listen, drums are playing. Like Lolo was on the drums. And it says they were clanging cymbals and raising their voices in praise, singing to the Lord. He is so good. 
His faithful love for Israel endures forever. They didn't know Jesus yet, but they knew the principle yesterday, today, and forever. Man, that our God reigns and he is so good. And it says, then all the people gave this great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But, oh man, one of the big buts of the Bible. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. Rather than being able to join in this like radical celebration, celebrating the goodness, the faithfulness, the wonder, the beauty of God and what he was doing right now, that he is faithful that he is good, that he is loving, that he is here, present, in our midst. Oh, but listen, but rather than joining in what God was doing in that moment, they missed it. They missed it. They were stuck in their histories. They were held hostage by their history of what was. And I think all of us can fall into that trap. And it's not just about jobs, it's not just about relationships, it's, right, it's about our lives with Jesus. And we need to be careful, and I think particularly those of us that are north of 50, and I'm in that camp, right? But I think the older that we become, like you probably noticed this was the older priests and Levites and leaders, You know, younger people don't tend to look back as much yet because they don't have as much to look back on. But the older we get, right, the more seasoned in life we become, the more life experiences we've had, some good, some bad. I think the older we get, the greater the temptation to look back and to get stuck and to miss the moment of what God is doing right now. You don't have to be old to experience that. It can happen at any time, but I think the older that we become, we have to be more careful of that happening. Listen, how about you? Like, I don't want to get stuck. I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing today. Like, can I hear it from the courtyard? Today, right? Come on. I see you out there. Today. What is God doing now that he is inviting me to be a part of? I do not want to miss that because of what was. And listen, I could tell you stories. I've been involved in my lifetime in miraculous moves of the Lord. Thousands of people gathering together, spontaneous baptisms, people getting saved, people getting healed, called into ministry, all those kind of things. But you know what I don't want to do? Get stuck there. That All of that God can use to inform my present reality. Those things I've experienced, man, let them be a fuel.
fuel to burn brightly right now, right now and into the future. But listen, we don't just get stuck in the positive things that, that may have been lost, maybe in our, our past. So many of the things that hold us hostage to our histories weren't the good things, they were the bad things. The pain points. Three things, pain that was inflicted on us through the bad choices of others. Pain that we inflicted on ourselves because of our own life choices. Or third, just pain through really distressing seasons of life. The loss of a loved one, right? A disease, an accident, (laughs) things that just happen in life. Or how about this global pandemic, you know, that we have been living through? All of those things, tremendous points of pain. And I just want to listen, I want to just recognize that the fact that, listen, I am not a therapist. I am not, not a psychologist. I'm not a professional counselor. I'm a pastor. But because of that, I do recognize, like therapists, that there are some, whether you're listening online, whether you're in your courtyard, whether you're here in the sanctuary, that, man, there are some stories that we would hear if people just kind of unzipped and like said, man, this is the real me. We, we would not even be able to imagine the level of pain that some people even right here, right now have walked through. We recognize that. We don't speak lightly of the pain that people have experienced, whether it was inflicted by the hands of others, whether it was inflicted through your own poor decisions or just the weight of life that came crushing down on you. So we recognize that. In fact, I just feel it has led to pause even in this moment. And before we just go forward just a few more minutes, that Jesus, we pray, Lord, for all of those right now who even when we talk about pain, it stirs up such trauma, brings back such memories, but Lord, only you, Lord, have the power to set us free and to bring healing to those places. So that we pray for ourselves, but we also just take a moment to pray for those, Lord, that are present today and ask for your grace. And I ask for those of my friends online that God's grace would be with you even in these moments that would help to bring freedom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to point to one other passage of Scripture and just look at two truths that I think are so fundamental to living free and getting unstuck from pain points in our history. It's from Hebrews chapter 12, where the author is using the imagery of running a race. You don't need to put that up yet. We'll we'll get to there in a second. But he's talking about a race. He's he's talking about life as a marathon. And guess what, you guys? It is, (laughs) right? It is not a sprint. And that's why in this passage, you can read the whole chapter later, 
But, I mean, he uses words like persevere and endure. And those are not words we use in talking about a sprint. You don't persevere through a sprint. You blast through a sprint. You persevere through a marathon. And so you get this picture in Hebrews chapter 12 of this, of this long, you know, race that we're on. But it's a race. And now I want you to read through the first three verses along with me. And then we're going to just draw out two truths about getting unstuck from past pain. The author writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and just pause right there and you just, and this great crowd, and you get like he's painting the picture of the stadium, right? In this part of the world where this was written, I mean, this, like, you know, kind of the birthplace of the Olympic Games and, and those sort of things were happening during this era. And so you get this, this great cloud of witnesses around us. I mean, this, the, the stands is filled with people that are watching our lives and people that have run the race before us. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in this long, long race. The first truth I want to look at about getting unstuck from past pains is literally let go of the pain. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of our pain. Verse one read that we are to throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. I love the way that the Passion Translation puts that verse in Hebrews 12.1 because in the Passion Translation it says this, says we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And that's translated really well because that, I mean, this whole idea of throwing off, it is letting it go, throwing off every wound, letting go of every wound. Listen, letting go of our pain isn't somehow pretending that the pain never happened. You hear me? Listen, I think to let it go, first we have to realize, no, we're holding on to it. It was real. We acknowledge those pain points, whether they were inflicted on us, by us, or just through distressing trials and the pain of life. But we have to acknowledge it. We have to like hold on to it and say, yep, there it is. 
And it's only then when we really acknowledge those pain points, maybe even going back and visiting things that we had tried to forget long ago, but you know what? But in our heart of hearts, we know we're still stuck there. We're stuck in those moments. And going back and saying, yeah, that that thing is real and that thing is still bearing bad fruit in my life. I can still feel the chains like of that event or that moment or that season wrapped around my soul so profoundly that I am unable to move forward freely. I know that I'm stuck at that point. We have to acknowledge it. Letting go of the pain has nothing to do with pretending it never happened. We grab it, right? And then we can choose to open our hand and transfer the pain. Transfer it to Jesus. To give to him our pain, realizing we were never meant to bear that pain. We were meant to transfer that pain to him. It is in our power to let that pain go and to give it over to the Lord. How do we do this? How do we do this? The word the Bible uses over and over to demonstrate how followers of Jesus are to let go is all found in the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. The theme of forgiveness in God's people is so central that Jesus embedded it right into the middle of the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, right? In Matthew 6, 12, right in the middle of the Lord's prayer, we read, and Lord, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Would you repeat those words? Would you say that with me? Read that. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Listen, like like a coin, forgiveness always has two sides. We receive it and we give it. It's two-sided. And we see that all through Scripture. We see that all through the New Testament, the portion of the Bible that is written to explain to believers how we're to live out the good news of Jesus. It's always two-sided. It's always like that coin. In Colossians, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, in uh, Colossians 3.13, and we see this two-sided aspect of forgiveness again, where he said, make allowance for each other's faults. I love that. Like, he's not somehow like sugarcoating the, the, you know, this reality that, man, life can be hard and that we're not going to have these perfect, you know, all these beautified lives. Even when we have submitted our lives to Christ, man, we're still going to blow it. We're still going to, you know, cause friction in each other's lives. So he said, hey, make room for that. Prepare your hearts. There's going to be some trouble ahead. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now listen to this last line, right? Like the two sides of a coin. Remember, the Lord forgave you. 
So you must forgive others. You must forgive others. I love the illustration here that is found right before Jesus went to the cross. Jesus had this interrogation going on and the final one that he was interrogated by was the Roman governor. His name was Pilate. And in the book of John, in that that whole encounter, we realize that Pilate was both frustrated through this whole encounter and he was a bit terrified because he's hearing that, no, this is the son of God. And he'd already said, I don't find any guilt in this man. And yet the crowds were crying, crucify him, crucify him. So he was torn. He was terrified. He was like, oh my gosh. And he goes back to Jesus and Jesus will not defend himself. Jesus like, now I already said what I'm going to say to you. I'm not responding to your questions any longer. And we get to this verse, John 19, 10. I want you to, want you to read it along with me. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Listen, those same words where it says that I have the power to release you, those are the same like literal words in the original language that are translated in another place, the power to forgive. The power to forgive. I want you to realize that you and I have the same power that Pilate had. We have a choice to make. We can either forgive, we can either release. I can release, I can let go, or I can crucify. It's such a powerful image that I'd like all of us to share and to remember that in our hands is the, that dual power. It is within our choice that we choose, that we have the power to either release, to forgive, to let go, or to crucify. But I think what a lot of us fail to recognize is that when we choose crucifixion, that person, that hurt me, they deserve these nails that I'm pounding into them, putting them on the cross. What we fail to realize is that when we are sticking them to the cross, guess what's happening to us? We're getting stuck there with them. We get stuck when we choose to crucify rather than to forgive. But just as we have been forgiven by God, when we certainly deserved to be crucified rather than him, because he was perfect, we're not. But just as we have been forgiven, we are now called to forgive others, not by pretending that what they did was not wrong, or that the season of life that we went through was not incredibly painful, but to open our hand, to let go, to choose forgiveness over crucifixion. There's one other thing. I said there was two truths in that passage that I wanted to point out. And for this 
last one, I would like you to grab your communion cup and just hold it for a moment. I'm going to invite Ellie to come on up. Because the second truth here is to keep focused on Jesus. The first, let go of the pain. The second is to keep focused on Jesus. Listen, when we read that passage moments ago from Ezra, right, right about the older priests and leaders, we really discovered that they were focused on the wrong thing. They were focused on a building. I mean, listen, think about it. Something so temporary and easily destroyed, but they were focused on that, that they missed the one who is eternal, who lives forever, who can never be destroyed, even by death on the cross. They were focused on the temporal, the temporary, the destructible. And they missed him who lives forever, the unchanging one who's the same yesterday and today and forever. They were so focused on what they'd lost. They completely missed out on one of the most incredible times of celebrating the God who was there. They were so stuck in the past that they missed God himself. As we prepare to receive communion, I want you to look back again at a couple of those verses from the beginning of Hebrews 12. It's a shorter little version, the second part where we read, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes. Would you say those words? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer perfecter of faith. Consider him, it goes on, who endured so such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we consider him who endured something that we will never endure, that he went through so much pain and took that pain upon himself so that we would not have to bear that pain any longer. And that we can take our pain, the real pain we've experienced, and that we could transfer it over to him. And if you'd take and you'd open this little package and you'd take of the bread, facsimile of bread. <laughs> when we focus on Jesus, fixing our eyes on him, considering him, it says we will not grow weary or lose heart. And Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you did, for who you are. Lord, the one who bore all pain, literally taking our sin and our brokenness with us or with you to the cross. 
taking our brokenness upon yourself. Lord, we say thank you. And now we eat in remembrance of what you did for us, fixing our eyes on him. And then as we prepare to take of the cup, we started this morning thinking about Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, guess what? Friends, this represents yesterday. He did this yesterday, right? He did this historically. He did this in the past. But the same Jesus who shed his blood in history is here today for you and for me. He is the same yesterday as he is today. And friends, no matter what pain we encounter tomorrow, guess what? He's going to be there for us as well. We don't have to stay stuck there. We can be free and be whole in him. Jesus, thank you for your broken body and for your shed blood that we might be set free. Would you take and would you drink? Jesus, again, we say thank you. Lord, because being free is only possible fully in you. Man, we can receive help from counselors and psychiatrists and therapists and friends and family coming alongside of this, but resolving those deep issues, the ones where we get so incredibly stuck, Lord, that only happens through you and through your power. So now, friends, we're going to open up the altars. We're going to just open up the space here. If there are things in your life that you've been holding on to and you want to pray with someone before you leave about getting unstuck, whether it's the loss of something positive from your past and you have just not been able to be free of that, maybe even free to just worship the Lord and to serve him in fullness today like you did in your yesterdays. Or maybe it's that point of pain. Would you please not leave today before you would find one of these leaders and just say, hey, I I need to share. I need to receive ministry today. I want to be free. I want to open my hands today to that thing. And if you're online and joining with us and maybe don't have the opportunity to come to the altar this way, you know what? We still want to join with you and pray with you. And if you just go online again, sm4.org and go to our contact page, would you please drop us a message and say, I want to be free. Would you pray with me? And we'll contact you. We'll reach out and we'll pray with you because we believe that God has called us to walk in his freedom. Friends, you're loved.